from Joshua chapter 2, we hear these words of Rahab, and she refers to the mighty acts God had done for the people of Israel in their exodus from Egypt. She says this, When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. A blessed Reformation Day to all of you gathered here and those who may be joining us through cable or internet. What a truly wonderful celebration it can be for us with the special music, the special hymns, the special readings, and the, uh, the knowledge of knowing that it is by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ that we have been saved. But sometimes what may be not acknowledged or forgotten is the fact that in the days of the Reformation, back nearly 500 years ago, that there truly was a battle that had to be fought. What is it? What has happened? The Emperor summons our princess to Augsburg. Why? To finish what he began at Vahans. You mustn't go. They'll fry you like a suckling pig. If you die, everything you stand for dies with you. All right, all right. What will you say? How will you make them change their minds? I don't know. Well, I need to know. I need to know. Katie, first they wanted me to recant. Now they want half of Europe to bow the knee. We must fight. We must fight. Our actor and actress, Luther, and his wife, Katie, as he got the summons that the princes were called by the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire to Augsburg to make confess to answer to what was going on. And Luther makes it clear that at that point in time, for those reasons that were given, the principles that were at stake, the very gospel itself, he declared that we must fight. The Reformation was indeed a fight, a battle. That's the first point in your sermon outline, which is printed on the back of your worship folder. But now we turn our attention from that battle to that which is perhaps much more familiar, if for no other reason than the popular song that has captured the essence of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Josh fought the Battle of Jericho and the walls came a-tumbling down. Just making sure you're awake. That's what the story covered this week in our readings. And what may seem like just a fantasy or some children's story or fairy tale is in fact, as God's Word declares it, the actual truth of history. That after marching around the city as God prescribed it, with the mighty shout, the army of Israel and all the people, the walls of Jericho did come down. And there was a great victory for Israel. And they killed every living thing in that city and burned the city with fire per the Lord's instructions. That is with one exception. You see, there was one person, and really her family, that was not killed. 
there was one section of the wall that although the rest of it came crashing down, probably killing many people as it fell, there was one section of that wall that remained intact. And so as we have this broad overview of the story and the history of Israel, let's focus for a minute on that one small section of the wall and the house that was there and who lived in that house. And that was, as you may recall, a person by the name of Rahab. Rahab, who of all things was a prostitute. And yet, because of how God was at work in her life, she was made the promise that she would be safe if she stayed in her house, which was located in the wall, and that everyone else who was with her would be saved as well. But what led up to that? Let's talk about this household, this house of Rahab, and, and what it had experienced leading up to these events. One of the things that was clear was just like the rest of the city of Jericho and her countrymen, the house of Rahab had experienced great fear. She shares it very openly with the spies. We heard about what you guys had done, or better said, what your God had done to the Egyptians, the Red Sea, to the Amorites across the river, we had heard the incredible works and we knew, we know that there is a God that fights for you. And she said the hearts of everyone melted. That's why the city was locked up tight. No one would come or go. Because then once the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, they knew that the battle was inevitable. The fear that Rahab and her people, fearing for their very lives. But another thing about Rahab and her house was that when given the opportunity to come face to face with some representatives of this invading army, those spies that had come to her place, that instead of turning them in, she, in fact, provided shelter and a refuge in her house for them. You read the story, you heard it again when the representatives from the king came and said, Hey, hand over those spies that we know are in your house. She gave the classic, They went that away. Maybe you can catch them. Quick, go. This week in confirmation class, um, the eighth graders were wrestling with the with the second commandment and how Luther's explanation says that we should not curse, swear, use satanic arcs, lie, or deceive in his name. And I asked, is it ever appropriate to tell a lie? Well, you might imagine how that conversation went. And then I invited them to open Joshua chapter 2 and read precisely what Rahab had done to those who had asked for the spies. I didn't answer their question directly, and I'm not going to do the same for you either. I'll let you wrestle with that. Was this a case of, of God working in spite of her actions, or was this a case of God, this being a God-pleasing thing that she did? Let me just say that I think 
the concept of civil disobedience certainly comes into play here. But she certainly lied. They went that away, and then she goes up on the roof where she had them hidden, and that's where she makes that statement of faith. Because not only was the house of Rahab filled with lies, not just the one she told to the king's soldiers, but by her very profession, wouldn't her life had to have been a lie? Wasn't she part of a people who had not acknowledged the true God and whose lives were, in fact, as are ours, utterly sinful? Her house was filled with deception, with immorality, with sin. And yet, when confronted with these these spies, these foreigners, these who worshipped a different God, she, by God's grace, had the ability to embrace the true God, the true faith. I know your God is the God of heaven above and of the earth below. She believed. She acted accordingly. And she used her house as a refuge for those in trouble. But it wasn't going to be just for those spies. She made an agreement. She said, since I've helped you guys, would you show kindness and spare my life and my family's life when you come and conquer our city? And they said, yes. They swore an oath. They said, put a scarlet cord in your window. And when we come, you and whoever else is in your house, we will spare. But if anybody's outside your house, we are not held guilty for them. Imagine what those days of watching the Israelites march around the city were like. First of all, for anyone in Jericho, how odd a strategy that must have seemed. But then for Rahab, who had this promise. Imagine her trying to convince her family that what they needed to do, in spite of all of their inclinations to run or to hide or to fight, was to stay in her house. Mom and Dad, you've got to be in here. You'll be safe only in my house. Her brothers and sisters, their, her nieces, nephews, whoever was all involved, stay in here. Imagine what that was like. Like they were going to believe her? Like they were going to take her word for it? And what kind of promises and assurances did, did she have, did they have... And yet, somehow, some way, they believed. Even if they didn't even know who this God was, they believed and they obeyed. All those that were in her house, I wonder how many she was able to cram in there. All those who were in her house were spared. But everyone else was not. Isn't that what faith truly is? 
That whether or not we deserve it, whether or not we we're, uh, know what's going on, to know that if we place our lives in the safety, that we will be saved. You see, on this day of the Reformation, it seems to me that the faith of Rahab especially in light of her life, is a clear example of the truth that God saves by grace alone through faith and not on the basis of works. For when the Israelites came and the walls came a-tumbling down, well, that house was left intact. And after the battle had raged... I would imagine they went and escorted them out safely, the only survivors. But not only do I think were they saved physically that day, but I think she and her family also all came to now know the true God. Of His power and of His grace. And in fact, we're perhaps floored to think that now the house of Rahab would be used by God to accomplish His will, even including her in the genealogy of the Messiah. Grace by faith. That's what this is all about. The Reformation. 500 years ago, the walls of Jericho, some 3,000 years ago. And so what does that have to do with us? You see, the battles still continue. You and I have been blessed with houses, if you will, our households, our families, and we also have to face battles. And in a day and an age when the When the security of the Christianity of our country has quickly eroded, we find ourselves as God's people often asking the question with ever more urgency, how do we engage society but not embrace it and its immorality? Where are you willing to draw the line to go against culture to stand up For the truth of God and His Word. Beloved princes of the empire, I will be brief and to the point. Your ministers shall not preach. And you will outlaw these Bibles in the common language and declare anyone who possesses one an enemy of the state. We will not stop our ministers from preaching the word, here or anywhere else. Do not concede, my lord. We will not outlaw the new Bible, my lord. It's a sign of your loyalty to me. Tomorrow you shall all march in the Corpus Christi procession to the cathedral and worship, all of you, in the Roman manner. 
We will not, my lord. You will! Are you stand on my sword? Before I let anyone take from me the word of God and ask me to deny my belief, I will kneel and let him strike off my head. What are you willing to sacrifice? For what would you be willing to allow your life to be taken rather than to give up? The German princes predict, uh, depicted here, those who were the, the rulers of that area, they were willing to make that sacrifice. To say the gospel of Jesus Christ taught in its truth and purity solely by grace through faith is worth us dying for. What are you willing to sacrifice? Willing to give up your life? Not in this day and age, you'd say. Not in our country. Not here. Not now. Well, may that always be the case. But are you aware that even as we speak around the world, there are literally dozens, hundreds of Christians who are having to pay the ultimate price, whether it's in the Middle East where Christians are targeted for suicide bombings or murders, or whether it's in places where they are forbidden from building churches or, or having their churches destroyed my friends, it is not far from us, even here and now. But even if we are not asked to give up our life, certainly there are battles that we are called upon to wage. Of standing up for what is right, for truth, and for living as God calls us to live, with integrity. Do you know those battles? Can you see them? And are you willing to fight them? They might be scary. There may be sacrifices. There may be costs to them. But in the midst of that all, one thing we must never forget, that as certainly as God was with Rahab and Joshua, as certainly as God was with Luther and the German princes and all who stood at that time, so certainly has God promised to be with us. And he makes this incredible promise. For as much as those battles are things that we have to face, yet he says this to you and me. He says, ultimately, the battle is the Lord's. And as long as we are fighting the Lord's battle, we always end up winning. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.